Hebrews 12 to looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And it goes on to say, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. There's nothing, there's nothing beautiful about the cross in, in its experience. The beauty comes out of what it, what it produced. Produced salvation. So by faith, we are looking unto Jesus for our salvation, not to anyone else. This is Cross Reference Radio with our pastor and teacher, Rick Gaston. Rick is the pastor of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville. Pastor Rick is currently teaching through his series called The Believer's Basics. Please stay with us after today's message to hear more information about Cross Reference Radio, specifically how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. Let's join Pastor Rick for part 3 of his message called Faith. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed Messiah, the Savior of the world. So each child has to say, Mom, Dad, I believe the Lord, not not disrespectfully, not because of what you said, but because I have heard him myself. You say, I've not yet gotten there. Invite him. Invite the Lord. Romans 10, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And there it is illustrated in John chapter 4 because with the Samaritans. They had come and they had heard the word of Christ from Christ himself. So now we come to serving faith. That is life after one receives that saving faith or or exercises saving faith. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist said, Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. Okay, you say you believe in Yahweh, you say you want to line up and obey him, then act like it. Is that too much to ask? You say, I try, but I fail. Well, that's okay, you're trying. Don't undervalue that, just keep it real. Habakkuk the prophet, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. You see that contrast? The one that has sinful pride, he's not right. His soul, who he is, is not right with God. There's no friendship there with God. But the just, in contrast, they live by trust. There's that word again. Trust in faith. All the other graces find their source because of faith. Take it away. And the graces go away, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. By faith, we pursue Christ's likeness in our own life. Philippians chapter 3, Paul said that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, quote unquote. That's what we want. We want to be like Christ, and we want to serve him in faith. By faith, we are shielded against what the enemy hurls at us, and I promise. Who needs needs a promise that Satan's going to hurl things at you? Does anybody need to be told that? Well, I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you did. Ephesians 6, above all, take the shield of faith with with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts 
of the wicked one. Those fiery darts, they include things like untrue things about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know those people that try to get you to read anything? It's bad enough there's people that try to get you to eat anything. But to take in, oh, you have to see the other view. No, you don't. Truth is one-sided. It is not interested in lies except to defeat them, to smite them down. And there are not many who can familiarize themselves with what Satan has to offer and remain strong and standing in the faith. And this, is, this would account for why so many have experiences with Christ in their youth, go off to these indoctrination centers, these universities that are largely churches of the evil one, and get converted to Satan's views on Christ Jesus. Because they could not, would not, stand behind the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts, to knock out the impure thoughts, the unkind thoughts, the contradictory thoughts about Christ. Our lives are not to be lived inside of a bunker, but often they are to be lived behind a shield that is pressing forward. Not just, I'm just behind the shield and that's that. We are to be pressing forward. The gates of hell, they're not to prevail. The gates of hell is a twofold meaning to that. If you were to go into an ancient city in biblical times in Israel, when you came to that city, you'd have to go through the gates, a walled city a fortified city. Well, the gates were there fortifying it. That's one meaning. The second meaning is the gates is where the generals and the leaders would meet to plan their war against whoever was coming against them. So Satan meets at his gate and he plans with his war council how he's going to take us out. And we're not supposed to wait for them to come to us. We're supposed to go to them. At least that attitude That attitude of aggression against iniquity has got to be something that we are very mindful of. And so, above all things, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. Above all things, he says, it's just a serious part of your weaponry, your body armor. Our faith overcomes the world. Now, that has a double meaning, too, not a contradictory meaning. The world, as we know it, is mankind in rejection of Jesus Christ. That is the basic, that is the definition of the world, as the scripture uses it in the context uh, in opposition to Christ. But also what this life has to throw at us. What living in a cursed world means. It means that we are assaulted. That there is aggression against us. John In his first letter writes, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 1 John 5, verse 4. This is the victory, our faith. I don't want to go without this. Even when I don't feel it, even when I feel Christ is far from me, even when I feel cheated by something wrong, when I feel he's withheld a blessing that would better have served us both had he given it, but he did not given it. Even at those low moments, I can say, but I will trust in him. Nonetheless, by faith we persist. We persist in prayer. 
Hebrews 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. That's not, oh, and by the way, they marched seven days. It's not a casual little piece of information that I just throw that in. That is significant because I would have quit after the first two days. They marched for seven days as they were told. Seven meaning that number of completion. We don't always know when the number of completion is except this. We know that we are to finish. We are to remain for the long haul. Faith shows intelligence. That is a surprise to many. Some think faith does not need the head. No brains necessary. You don't have to think. Any brainless fool can have faith. That is not true. In the scripture, the heart means the whole man. When the scripture says you should love the Lord your God with your heart, it means all of you. The mind, the will, the passions. We cannot believe with our hearts without believing with our heads. Is that too much to ask? Is there anybody here that's willing to stand up and say, no, I am too dumb for that? I cannot think. I, I can just feel. Then you have a technical difficulty that must be overcome. Now, that is not good for you, nor is it good for anyone else, because Satan's not playing around. And he uses people that use their head and their hearts. They're passionate about their hatred towards Christianity. They have thought it through. And they're very serious. In this country, you're seeing them steal your rights away. You're seeing how invasive and sneaky they can be. And to stand up and say, well, I will match this with just feelings is insanity. We can believe with our head, but not without our heart. You can trust without feeling, but you cannot have faith with only feeling. Jude says these are sensuous persons, not having the spirit. They're only good feelings and no thinking going on in their heads. You do not have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. I've never met the sharpest knife in the drawer. But every time I get a knife, I think about that saying. Which one's the sharpest knife in the drawer? All right, that was a little break there, and that's all you're getting. Because you didn't appreciate that when I could tell by the laughter or lack of. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. You see, the head and the heart are connected to, with God. You, 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 you cannot live without a head and you can't live without a heart. There's nothing wrong with the blend of things. To get, you money, cash money. You have to have paper and you have to have ink and you have to have a bunch of other little things too, but the ink and paper are essential. And now we come to the false faith. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. That should be on, in every bookstore. Every Christian bookstore on the planet should have that verse. You want to find out what a community is doing? Go into their bookstore. You want to find out what a church is about? Go into their bookstore. You want to find out what a Christian is about? Go on their Facebook page. How many people post things that Christ would just be brokenhearted over? Why are you quoting this person? Why are you using that word? Why are you showing this picture? That got a few of you. And if it didn't get any of you here, it's because of good preaching. <laughs> and for those of you on the radio, ha-ha, it's a laugh out loud. Uh, but uh, I've got somebody with that. You've got things on your Facebook page. 
that shouldn't be there, that you're repeating. Maybe you picked it up, and most of it is picked up from somewhere else. What do you say when your kids bring in something from some word or some behavior? I know my mother used to say to me, where'd you get that from? Who told you that? Because you didn't get it here. (laughs) I could tell by the tone it was time to just agree with her and be quiet because it wasn't worth it any other way. There are things that agape love does not do, and the Bible calls it out in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not proud, does not behave rudely. How many Christians need that? I don't want to say, if you're going to tattoo it, use press-on or crayons. But you need to have this, love is not rude. And so there are things about love that are not to be, and there are things about faith that are not to be. False faith is baseless. It has nothing holding it up, no substance except somebody's bright idea. But there's no prophecy, there's no spiritual feature that really supports that view. Superstitions, for example, are baseless. They lack substance. Forming one's own opinions about God That's hostile to God and biblical truth. It's not cute. God doesn't say, ooh, how creative, making up things about me that are lies. Come to the head of the class. He does not do that. This doesn't stop some from doing it nonetheless. Subscriptural views about God are forbidden. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's everything right with that. That's one of the reasons when I came to Christianity, I was so overjoyed. Because this is right. And the other stuff is wrong. It is lousy. This is solid. Faith in any other Savior except Christ draws the wrath of God. So don't have faith in any other Savior. False faith is not centered in the person of Jesus Christ, according to Scripture. But it is centered in a force and a power. Natural desires draws attention to me or humanity. Over Christ. We don't want you to come to church and draw attention to you. We want the center of attention to be Jesus Christ. And so, Hebrews chapter 11. Because true faith is looking unto Jesus. Is there any Christian that would disagree with that statement? False faith really isn't. But it uses his name nonetheless. It has to have his name on it. It forges his name, but he's not the center of interest. In Hebrews 11, the writer, he tells us about Abel and Enoch and Abraham and Moses and all the other godly people. We love that we, we hear that list of faithful servants so we can follow in that line. But in Hebrews 12, after the writer has told us all about all these godly people, then he centers our attention on Jesus. Hebrews 12, to looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And it goes on to say, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. There's nothing, there's nothing beautiful about the cross in, in its experience. The beauty comes out of what it what it produced, produced salvation. So by faith, we are looking unto Jesus for our salvation, not to anyone else. 
Five of the seven churches that Jesus wrote to Revelation served causes, not Christ. They were interested in, you know, helping the law, the needy, and they were doing this, and they were doing that. But Christ was no longer center. Again, the first one, Ephesus. Because you've left your first love, I'm going to take your light from you. I'm going to disqualify you. You better fix it. He had stronger words for some of the others. But some behave as though they are converted to a church, or they're converted to music, or they're converted to a program, or they're converted to the people in the church. Why do you go to that church? Well, I like the people. Well, what about the word over there? I like the people. But the music is so good. What about the word of God? Well, I can get that on my own. Then it's not a church. Sorry, did I yell at anybody doing that? <laughs> what should I be? How can I? I can't be nonchalant about this. Well, I know what's going on. Because personally speaking, I was going to hell because Christians weren't telling me the gospel. They were telling me about the experiences, about how they could speak in tongues, and how they could do this and that. They weren't preaching the truth to me. So by faith, we're looking unto Jesus for our salvation. And I'm not converted to a church or a group of people in a church. I'm converted to Christ Jesus. He is my ruler. He is my master. He is my Lord and my God. And I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power unto salvation. And if any of you are ashamed of it, you need prayer. You need not to, I don't think you're going to beat that. If, if you have gotten to a place in your Christianity where you are ashamed of the gospel, you are not going to fight your way out of that on your own. You need brothers and sisters to come alongside and help you get out of that quicksand, just like Jeremiah needed someone to get him out of the mire. Ebel Melech threw him a line and pulled him out. And so, moving forward... Almost finished here. Christ must be preeminent, not just prominent. You see, the false faith will have Christ as prominent, not preeminent. Yeah, he's a part of what we believe, but he is not all of that. Well, yes, he is. And it would be a terrible thing for someone, to, a human being, to find that out after death. Because death is not the end of existence for anyone. It is the beginning of a long and eternal existence. So they must be surrendered to the person of Christ and not mere creed. Creed is not enough either. Jesus led Martha to put her faith in him and not in her doctrine. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. This is a response to her saying, I know I will see my brother again in the resurrection. He said, that is doctrine, but I am life. I am it. The doctrine points to me. It's not above me. It's not without me. I am it. False faith never gets spiritual matters right. Not that Martha had false faith, but she did not have accurate understanding. She did when Jesus was finished with her, and he was very gentle with her. And she was very responsive. So, quick review, and then we'll close. There must not only be knowledge that Jesus is able to save, 
and that he is the savior of the world, there has to be an action that goes with it. One has to appropriate the salvation that is offered. One has to come and receive it, to consent to it, to surrender to it. Romans 9, if you're leading somebody to Christ, it is okay to open your Bible and read from your Bible to them. And here is an excellent place to go, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. That you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You've got to say it. You've got to express it. You've got to take hold of it. First Timothy chapter 6, Paul said to a pastor, Fight the good fight. Lay hold on eternal life. Grab that thing and don't let it go. Yes, Timothy had salvation at the point. At this point, I am expanding the meaning. Paul is saying, act on that faith. Carry it out. Live it through. The basics. Faith that saves the soul. James chapter 2, verse 23. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called a friend of God. I want to be a friend with God. If Abraham can do it, why can't I? Well, I can. It is available to me. It is that faith, that friendship that ends up serving Christ. James, again, chapter 2, verse 17. Faith by itself, if it does not have action, is dead. Now, the word there in the New King James is works, but that means action. We are called to action. You know, the British Navy, they don't call it battle stations or general quarters. They... I don't know what they still do, but they used to call it action stations. And that's what we are supposed to have also. Matthew chapter 15. These people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. False faith claims that it believes in Christ as Lord, but is lying because it doesn't follow the scripture. Ezekiel thirty-three, thirty-one. I know I read this recently. I don't remember if it was a Sunday or a Wednesday, but it's worth rereading this morning. Ezekiel 33. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people. And they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. What a bunch of creepy people. Well, I know better than those people, but I want to make sure I'm better off than those people. And I don't want to be guilty of that charge that Ezekiel, that God charged the peoples, the people surrounding Ezekiel's ministry. I don't want to be guilty of that charge by God. What about faith and fear? Just a brief word on that, because we talk about these things all the time. That's what the word of God is about. Faith in God leads to courage, but God's courage Because people who don't believe in Christ can exhibit courage. There are many Medal of Honor winners who were not believers in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned turned to flight the, the armies of the aliens. If you overthink faith, it bogs. So let's be careful to not overthink it. Faith that comes from trusting God is superior to courage that comes from determination. Why is that? Why is faith that trusts in God superior to determination without God? 
as the world can exhibit. Because peace comes from faith, because it brings his presence. That's where the superiority is in faith. It brings the presence of God to us, comes alongside of us. Trust in Christ brings Christ. Faith is defiant of unbelief. If we get nothing out of this morning, may we, may we get that. Faith is defiant of unbelief. And close with this word. When Jesus walked to the tree, the fig tree that promised fruit. Yeah, it was symbolic of the nation Israel. She was supposed to have the fruit, being custodians of the scriptures, and she had no fruit. And he cursed the tree, and the tree was dead. The next day, the apostles came by, and he said, Lord, look at the tree you cursed. No tree dies overnight like that. Jesus' response to them was, trust God. That's all he said. That's what he says to us. Defy unbelief. Trust God. Thanks for joining us for today's teaching on Cross Reference Radio, the daily radio ministry of Pastor Rick Gaston of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville in Virginia. We hope you've been blessed by this Believer's Basic series, exploring the fundamentals of what it means to follow Christ. If you'd like to listen to more of this series or share it with someone you know, please visit crossreferenceradio.com. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, too, so you'll never miss another edition. Just visit crossreferenceradio.com and follow the links under radio. Again, that's crossreferenceradio.com. That's all for today. We hope you'll tune in next time to continue studying the Word of God right here on Cross Reference Radio.